What is up, everybody? We're back with another episode of the Influence Marketing Blueprint. Today, we have a fire guest, fire episode with Mr. Matt Bertulli. You might recognize him from the Nine Ops podcast, one of the four hosts over there. Um, go check out that show. But more than anything, today on the show, he talked some amazing nuggets around seeding, specifically for his case on Pila Case. Um, his brand over at Pila Case, they're seeding 2,000 to 3,000 influencers a month. Yep, you heard that right. 2,000 to 3,000 influencers a month. They're sending out product to no strings attached. So if you guys are curious about seeding, how to ramp it up, um, how to actually leverage it on paid media, we get into all of that, the team structure, um, the softwares, all these different things, the ins and outs of the program. And also just from a high level, how Matt thinks about seeding and how it affects paid media and really the relationship between influencer seeding, getting product into people's hands, them posting and leveraging that, not only the content, but just how impressions in, impacts the Facebook signal, um, how it impacts Facebook performance. Um, it's a really, really interesting episode. And I, I really appreciate um, Matt and how he broke down and makes it simple. Um, just how to think about influencer, how to think about paid, um, how to think about those relationships. So um, as always, I really appreciate this episode. This will be a great one for you to tune into. And let's jump in. <laughs> All right, we're back in the driver's seat. Taylor, what's up? And we got the, the, the best nine ops podcast and hosts <laughs> um, of the bunch. I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say that. Matt yeah. Bertulli. Yeah. Thanks we for joining the show, man, that. man. Yeah, <laughs> it's good to be here, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of the D2C e-commerce community is familiar with you at this point um, since you guys' podcast has come on the scene in a huge way. But just brief overview about who you are and about Lomi and about Pila. Yeah, man. Um, I host a podcast with the other guys. <laughs> I like that you said I'm the best one, though. That's great. Just tell Sean and Jason that. I don't think Mike would care. Uh, I mean, that's that's just what you had told us prior to the podcast. That's it. I so paid them. Just so everybody, everybody's yeah. here, I, I absolutely paid them to say that. Uh, yeah, I run two, sorry, two companies. One's called Lomi. One's called Pila Case. Um, Pila Case has been around the longest. If you're in the D2C world, that's probably the one that is like most relevant to most people. Lomi is seller direct to consumer, but... Um, not at all a DTC business, not how it's structured, not how it's being built. The team, not, not nothing, very, very little about it looks like a DTC business uh, behind the scenes. From the front, I'm sure it can, but um, Peel the Case is the interesting one. That's like a six and a half, seven year old journey now for me. Uh, Lomi is about three. Hmm. Um, both, I guess together, they, they do a lot in volume of revenue and customers. Like I think we've got, Geez, almost 2 million customers, maybe like 1.7, 1.8 million customers now. Something wow. like that. Yep. So just curious, what, what brought you into like, I want to create an iPhone case company. I didn't want to create an iPhone case company. Uh, hmm. So I was the first outside investor in Pila pre-revenue. Um, okay. So I'd owned my last company prior to that. I sold it in 2018. So I started investing in Pila in 2017. So just before I'd sold my previous business. And then once I had sold the last company, um, that was like part of a private equity roll up, which is a whole other thing. Um, I just decided to go all in on this thing. So I actually didn't care too much about the product. I really loved the material. 
So when I met Jeremy, who's one of my partners, um, you know, he showed me this material and he kind of made a phone case was like his first idea for like a commercial, how to commercialize the material. Mm. Um, so I'm like, okay, that's a good market. It's massive, tons of margin, you know, um, and I'm a big fan of category creation. So like, I didn't really care about the phone case. I just cared that at that time, nobody had done a, like the, you know, my whole claim was like, we're the world's first compostable phone case. We basically like, we brought sustainability to mobile accessories. It did not exist prior to Pila. So like, I'm just, I'm a huge category creation nerd. Um, so that was what I cared about. Hmm. Well, let's jump into the, the meat and potatoes of the show. Um, I was reading sure. up on some of your, on some of your tweets from of yours over the years, you're very public around not paying influencers, uh, especially like you've mentioned, if they aren't producing content for ads, even so far as to say their worth is meaningless. Um, <laughs> so well, I just don't, I don't, I mean, look, we do a ton of gifting and seeding with Pila case. Um, I think it's a great strategy. I'm not a fan of, I'm not a fan of this like UGC or die view of advertising. I think that's probably like the nuanced version of my take. Um, like UGC Break that does not down. work. Well, UGC does not work for all brands. Like it, it genuinely doesn't like it, does, you know, um, not in the term, like not the way that I think most D2C people think it does. Right. So like for Pila case, it works beautifully. We give the product yeah. out, we seed out like 2000, 3000 influencers a month, right? Like creators where we just like give the product out. Um, no hooks, no like requirements that they post, like nothing. Just straight up, like we think you like the product. Um, you know, we try to pick well and great that's it, right? And like, and then, which also is like for us, it's on brand, you know, like we're not a Pila case, especially, you know, we sell a physical good. Our view of the world is if you're going to buy a phone case, you may as well buy ours. Like it's, we don't push like buy a lot. Like we don't say, you know, you need to buy everything, buy them every month. Like just rampant consumerism is very off brand for us. Um, so like we're mm -hmm. more about like meaningful consumerism, like you're going to do it. You may as well do it better. So mm. UGC for us on Pila case, like I just like giving the product out to lots of people and then that kind of spreads the brand. Right. And we get content from those people. Sometimes we use it. Sometimes we don't. It's sort of our choice. Right. Um, but on Lomi, like guys, I have tried to make like, you know, the, the stereotypical UGC ads work. They don't. Mm -hmm. And like, just for everybody listening, please don't come at me on Twitter. I've spent a billion fucking <laughs> dollars on ads personally. So like, don't tell me I don't know how to run fucking ads. Good God. <laughs> like that was actually, that was actually my next comment. Yeah, fucking I'll on Twitter, man. It's like, well, it's your creative. It's like, look, homie, no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> you know, like billion dollars on ads, there. guys. So look, I, I think that UGC in general, the reason I say you got to be careful, it works for most brands, but if you run a, if you're building a business or a brand where like, um, you are more aspirational than you are relatable. So like luxury of some kind, yeah. then you, you know, like the customer you're going after doesn't want to see, you know, 20 year old user. 
Betty yeah. fucking using thing in her kitchen. Like, it's just not how it works. Doesn't need to be mm-hmm. relatable. You actually don't it's want it to be relatable. relatable. You want yeah, it to be it's exclusive. actually relatable hurts you in some yeah. brands. Right? You want it to be exclusive. Totally. So that's sort of my point is like, I'm actually not truly anti-influencer, truly anti-creator. Like on Lomi, we have really good and deep um, like creator influencer and we do pay them, right? Mm-hmm. They give us product feedback, right? Like they're creating like very different content for us, but it's not the usual playbook. Um, yeah. So we have like a handful on Lomi that we work with. So when people here, um, we're seeding 2,000 to 3,000 influencers a month. Obviously, you have the cogs to be able to do that. Um, yes. But the the ramp up and scale to get to that point, I'm curious about, like, when was that first initiation where you're just like, oh, wow, like, this is going to work and we need to just scale the crap out of this? I mean, the tricky thing is, like, I don't know about you guys, but it's so unless you use codes, which we do, um, it's hard to track. Like it's really hard to track. So I, I look at this a bit like this is sort of one of those. This is the this is where we start to get into the art of marketing, right? Where like deciding to scale up this program is a little less like, oh, I can see it in my dashboard, and more you can kind of like if you've been if you've been deep and paid for a while, you can see that it gets more efficient with the more that you do this. Mm-hmm. Like it just shows up in your your ad efficiency. So for us, it's like the more we did it, the more we saw an improvement in paid media. So we're like, okay, well, and you're getting, and you're getting, and you're getting large amounts of content for, for paid lots of content for like relatively low cost. Even that, I don't even know, like, man, we're spending, but we spend a lot now on, I actually haven't looked at like what's the actual budget number, uh, like the dollars, but it's like, you know, two, 3000 cases a month. I could do that math. Um, mm-hmm. it's a lot every month that we're putting product out in the world, but it's nowhere near what I know others do. So like, I just know that the upper bound of this is probably, we're not anywhere close to the upper bound of what it can do. So I sort of look at like, do we believe it's making our paid media more efficient, both in just like general, the more people that are posting about your brand on social, the more that the targeting part of ad algorithms has to work with. That's just right. true. So, you know, that's, and that's how we look at it is like, it's the fire paid is the gas. It's not the reverse. Like you need, you need like other, the other top of the funnel. Yeah. You need awareness and category awareness and problem awareness, whatever you want to call it. And seating is a great way to do that. And especially seating at scale, like you can create a real echo chamber on the internet if you do it at scale. Today's Power Minute is brought to you by Social Snowball, an affiliate platform for e-com that is focused on enabling affiliate partnerships for what I like to call the modern affiliates. So not the traditional affiliates, publishers, blogs, etc. This is the modern affiliates such as creators, ambassadors, influencers, customers, etc. So there's many things I love about Social Snowball. One of the first things that comes to mind is they eliminate all code leaks. So if your codes that have gone out to influencers or affiliates have ended up on coupon sites, Social Snowball would eliminate this. Also, it's very important to have a tiered-based system to motivate your affiliates to continue to post and generate revenue for you. So they make that super seamless. Make it super easy on the affiliate to get paid out any which way that they like. So Venmo, PayPal, uh, directly to their bank on a Visa gift card, Amazon gift card, all that, et cetera. 
you guys haven't checked them out, they're on the Shopify app store. Go check them out today. You're missing out. Um, they are clearly the best and our number one recommendation for affiliate marketing. Have you seen any tangible lift uh, and ran any reports on that? So like we, we're actually doing this internally on our end where we do seeding in tandem with paid media and we are starting to run reports on, okay, in this month we had this many impressions. How does that correlate to a ROAS lift in this month as you tie those two together? Well, um, Taylor, hit him with a, yeah. that example, like the analysis we ran. Yeah, like for example, we did a, we did this on behalf of Purdy and Fig. Every you could see like every couple hundred thousand, like the numbers slip in my mind. Every couple hundred 250. thousand two hundred and fifty. Look at yeah. you, man. Every 250,000 influencer impressions, you saw that CAC in the ad account decrease by a dollar. Mm -hmm. And the correlation, uh, Pearson correlation score was was significant as well. So doing things like that, it's just really interesting to hear that you bringing that up on this podcast because we're seeing that as well on our end. So I was just curious to see, like, are you seeing statistics like statistically significant lift there is it more of a feeling you might as well be doing it because you're seeing a ton of organic like viral viral volume every month just yeah. curious to dig a little deeper there yeah i mean i'm not as smart as you guys to actually go and do a lift <laughs> like a lift study uh we literally did it off of like our ad account looks to be more efficient the more that we do this mm -hmm. yeah I, I don't have like a two to one or whatever the ratios like you got you to gotta let us come in and do this lift study for you and we'll, we'll have you back on. Yeah, at some point, we got to do this. Um, it is like this month actually might be a good one to try because this month we have a meaningful jump in like just ahead of the holidays, like a pretty meaningful. I think we're going to gift out almost 3,000, maybe 3,000 this month. I don't know. I got to look. Um, but it's interesting. It's like what you're doing is the effective, like the equivalent of a, a holdout test in geography. Mm -hmm. so it's like, how many influencer impressions did I get? What's your baseline number of creator influencer impressions? If you gift out, can you lift that baseline? And if you lift that baseline, what does it do to your how do you measure paid the impact? The measuring the impact thing, that's tricky. Cause like the problem with any kind of test like this is there's too many variables at play, especially so many brand at scale. Right? So many, like definitely not perfect. No, yeah, because I could just think like if if I run TV at the same time you're doing that, you're, like everything goes out the window. You got a sale going on, Nothing. a bunch of things. Yeah, bunch so of you got to really pick your spots if you're doing a something like that, like a lift, like a lift study. Um, I'm just I'm just curious on my end on you seating three thousand influencers. I wouldn't imagine again you're seating no strings attached to where you're saying you yep. have no expectation of them to post whatsoever. I mean, Cody would. An iPhone case, would you think this would do really well, well in the amount of people that end up posting? No, we had like, I mean, going on, when we were talking before the show and for the audience, like we worked with Bila Case a year and a half ago, and yeah. it was like 50% opt ins, 50% post rates, like well above uh -huh. our minimum expectations. Yeah. So for every 500 influencers, you're getting 250 saying yes. And send us one so it's like are you guys identifying six thousand reaching out to six thousand and that's how you get to that yeah. three thousand number yeah. exactly You're just backing it out from outreach dude it's like a it's like an s like a sales process that's all it is yep. right yep. it's like an out it's like cold calling outreach um yeah and then we have people that we like where it's clear that they lift for us so it's like revisit those people and do deeper like deeper programs with them like that there's a no-brainer there you know the interest like this goes back to product and category and brand. Like Pila case is different 
from what most like most creators are going to get pretty standard stuff that they're getting offered right they're not going to get a phone case made out of plants yeah that's where i think the differentiator is yeah, i was about to like, say like if we were doing seating for like otterbox like i don't think those seat, i don't think those seating numbers would do anything no people don't truthfully like yeah. it's just like a phone case super bland yeah. but yeah the sustainability marketplace does crush it with seating yeah, people love to like, talk about the it values right i think when you're doing these seating things like i think if you've got some kind of strong sort of like set of values or principles or positioning in the in the market like this could work really really well um, and that niche of creators just wants to sing your praises on the rooftops. That's it, man. Like it's a passionate their bunch. Job easy. Like the thing that I, I think about, and the reason why I think like most of it's total bullshit is like because it, you can clearly tell when it's just fake and crappy, um, and that I actually think does negative brand damage. Like mm. I think that is like negative value for a brand is to have like a whole bunch of clearly very fake and like manufactured crap on social media. Um, mm -hmm. So I like seeding because where there's no obligations and when they do post they are excited about like what the brand stands for they're not like they're talking about the product but they're more talking about like how freaking cool is this this thing is compostable it's got like the lowest carbon footprint of any phone case out there it's made from plants i'm a vegan like it gets really you're making the job of a creator so much easier when you give them something fun and cool to talk about that's literally their freaking job it's you know, not because I you paid them a thousand dollars yeah like who cares right <laughs> what's that cody i said it's not because you paid them a thousand dollars no no I imagine it's crazy i know yeah i know it's nuts um so it's it is actually obligating them i know yeah and then on the on the lomi side it's like the reverse we do pay creators but we need a like a high quality content for that audience like going back to the whole aspiration versus relatable, like the people we're paying are like what they produce is very, very good, right? It rivals mm. like what we would make in house. So on the Lomi side, we don't do scale out seating and gifting. Also, we don't have the margin. The product's 500 bucks. Sure. Like, sure. I'm going to eat shit all day doing that. Um, but on the Lomi side, what is nice is that gives us variety of faces and voices and places. And that matters, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, so yeah, they're just t totally different. Approaches. Different goals. Yeah. Different goals. So help people think about th like people listening. They're, they're the, I mean, you guys talk about this on your, your ops podcast, but like the one to 10 million, like different revenue tiers for people, obviously like there's so many different layers to this, like obviously product being one of them, cogs being one of them. Like you just mentioned yep. a couple of huge things where it's like, okay. Okay, Matt, like 3000 creators, I have a $50 cog product, like, I can't do that. Um, so throwing yeah, that out of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, what is your advice on breaking it down for people? Like, where should people start versus um, how people get into influencer marketing when it comes to like different revenue tiers of people? So I, I just did the quick math while you guys were talking, I think we spend like less than 10% of our ad spend goes into seating. Okay. So like. Makes sense if it's yeah. a creative like pipeline. We, we, yeah. we can spend uh, on Pila Case, like it's not a small brand. Um, like we can spend seven figures a month pretty easy on Pila Case. So like 
for us to get to, to see it. So I look at it like, I think every brand paid is, is a difficult thing to have stand on its own, especially over time, sustainably. Like if you're a new brand and you're kind of like in that, I'm going, I'm going to my first million or my first two or $3 million in sales, paid can do a lot of damage. And the reason for that is that uh, Facebook is like the very best platform in the world at capturing in-market demand. So like if you sell t-shirts, it knows who's buying t-shirts, right? You know, but there's a, there's a upper bound to in-market demand for most categories, unless you're like in something with insane TAM, like maybe men's t-shirts got pretty crazy TAM. Um, hence the story of the other guys and how big they can scale and how fast and whatever. It's like, well, yeah, you sell t-shirts and you, you like, you killed it on the ad side. Um, but for most people, there is a point in the seven figure to eight figure journey where like, you're going to have to figure out something that isn't paid that is like, keeps the fire going. Right. Mm. And that's where I think like, there are brands out there that have really done a good job with seating or it, just call it like influencer in general, whether it's seating or it's something else, like they've done a very, very good job and that's their fire. Um, other brands, it could be like, there could be something else that's the fire, right? It could just be that they've got a killer subscription business. So it's just always there and their retention, mm -hmm. right? You know, and they can throw paid on top of that. Um, other brands, it's like, I don't know, they've got one A-list celebrity that can lift the thing and provide the fire. It's just that like, I always am looking for the thing that you can pair with paid. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the, like, if you want to go from a million into like the tens of millions in, in consumer, you need to pair something with paid. It can't just be paid. I don't, I don't believe that. Today's power minute is brought to you by mighty scout an influencer tracking tool. So you've probably heard Taylor and I talk about mighty scout at length in past episodes, but today we want to take special time to speak to it specifically. So if you are investing in any sort of influencer marketing to a degree, I highly suggest getting on Mighty Scout. First of all, it's going to track all of your organic posting that goes out. So if you're doing seating, pay for posts, you can drop in all your influencers by campaign. And then once those influencers are in those campaigns, they're going to immediately start being tracked if and when they mention you by handle or any hashtags that you give it. So it's going to give and pull all that content, most importantly, so that you can know who posted, you can reach out for content rights, etc. Also, it's going to give you all the reporting and ROI on those things as far as metrics wise. So you're going to be able to know the vanity metrics that go out around those those um, influencer posts. You're going to know everything that it goes into around influencer marketing uh, in regards to Mighty Scout. So if you haven't checked them out, highly, highly suggest them. Go to MightyScout.com to find out more. I'm just curious as a follow-up question what you're saying. What do you personally put more stock in Uh of the value of influencer seeding for your brand? Is it that it creates warmer leads for, you know, your meta paid social, uh, which ultimately drives down CAC for you there. And, you know, like you're saying, keeps yep. that fire rolling at scale or uh, all of the content that you're able to get. I mean, I can't imagine honestly how much content you're getting per month oh, God, to, be able to repurpose insane. into paid media. So which do you put, is it equal 50, 50 in your mind? Uh, like that content flywheel that supplements paid media. I know you had mentioned you don't use all of it. That would be a lot of content to be able to repurpose in there. We're terrible um, at it too. Like right now, I would say the thing that we're not, we need to get better at, which I think Sean and Connor are world class at, is the is taking in all that 
content and then like having a system and a process for editing and producing and iterating on that and the ad side. We're not nearly as good as we should be on Pila Case yet. That'll be the thing that unlocks the next wave of growth for that brand, for sure. Um, like I'm very, very high confident there. I don't actually think it's a, well, like, look, the answer is somewhat in the the numbers, right? Like if we spend less than 10% on influencer seating that we do on actual paid media, right? Like 90 cents of every dollar I spend is going into the actual ads. Mm -hmm. But that's, I don't think that's indicative of, of weight of impression, right? Because the thing that seeding an influencer at scale and done in an authentic way, the thing that you're trading in, we're all trading in is trust. And when you get a high volume of people posting in what feels very authentic and real, there's a high perceived trust that goes out, right? So you're kind of optimizing for this balance between signal to the ad platform. So like the more people posting about your brand, the more signal. And Facebook loves signal and it loves in-platform signal. Apple kind of ruined yeah. off-platform signal. Mm -hmm. So influencer seeding is a great way to get in-platform signal around a brand and a product. Um, and then the other thing you're optimizing towards, like the balance is between signal and trust, right? So like the quality and the types of people you have posting, like we have to seed to a very specific kind of person for Pila Case. Like there's, there's like a bunch of these different sort of like avatars or personas. Like we're going after vegans and vegetarians and like active outdoor people and like they fit yeah. profiles, right? Um, so I think that kind of like always trying to improve both signal and trust, that's more how I think about it and less about like which dollar is more valuable because like they sort Good. of need to coexist. For sure, for sure. And, and I'm just curious on the 10%, in comparison to paid social that you're putting towards influencer marketing, is that straight up cogs that's going towards seeding or are you guys doing anything outside of seeding, taking things to the next level with these influencers? If they prove to be a top performer, walk us through that a little bit. I would say like most of that is just straight up cogs. Like I love that. Yeah. Uh, if somebody like, if someone posts and it's very clear, like we see a code being used a ton, or we see somebody like tagging or mentioning us on our own Instagram account, like we'll pay attention and then maybe go deeper with those people and do something else. Right. Especially if they're super on brand and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's just like clear that they have the audience that we want, then it's worth opening up conversations. So like, what else can we do here? Right. Um, I actually did have a follow-up question on the codes with you seating, no strings attached. How are you adding a code into your communication? Like, Hey, we, we want to send this like to you, no strings attached, no expectation yeah. to post, but here's a code. If you do type thing, if you want to, and you want to give your, you know, your audience something, we're, we're happy to give you a code here it is. But like, again, no strings attached. Yeah. Yeah. Not to dive even deeper here, but with TikTok shops and just, you know, their availability to make it probably the easiest tool to be leveraged right now to give people commissions yeah. or anybody in the world can tag your shop and they can receive a commission. Have you seen that be a great opportunity for seeding in the way that you guys are going about it? I'd love to give you an answer on that, but right now TikTok doesn't let me do it because I'm Canadian. Mm. So I got to go through a whole bunch of tax bullshit because I probably have to set up like an American sub in order to use TikTok shops, which I'm trying. We'll send, so we'll once send I, a segment once I have, to TikTok. 
Well, once I have uh, access, I'll be happy to see if it rips like I hear it does. <laughs> yeah, we're just seeing it as a great, great opportunity for seeding. So once you do have that access, it'd be, it'd be curious to hear from you and how that performs for you guys. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'd love to know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rubbing it at this point. We'll move on. Um, yeah, well, outside of the organic side of things, outside of your seeding numbers, when actually repurposing this content into paid social, is it just another thing, a part of the media mix? Have you seen it perform better than, you know, other assets types in the, in the ad account? If you can lend any, you know, you know greater information there. I love to like pump your tires and say that it, like it always performs better, but it doesn't. Right. Sometimes we have like a static image or some freaking photo that just completely takes off. I've given up on trying to predict what like creative can do in ad platform. Come on. Like, Seriously, there's, it's like, you're better off going to Vegas and playing craps. Um, you know, you can, you can control the inputs. So like, you know, great quality ads will likely always perform. Like, let's just say that whether that's like coming from a creator or it's coming from like you with your iPhone in your office, who just happens to like make something that's super cool or somebody on your team does. I don't particularly care. It just go for the best possible creative you can. And then I guess the second part of that would be like, the nice thing with seeding is it does give you creative variety and mm. variety matters in a post iOS world because everybody knows that the targeting is basically moved into the creative and it's off platform. So like you may as well go after variety. We need to hire this guy. Goodness gracious. The amount of <laughs> golden sales. nuggets. Good sales. I can't show. Thanks a lot of money on ads. <laughs> yeah, but and it's your creative. <laughs> yeah. It's always creative. Like it's always been, he's giving you a hard time. No, no, he wasn't saying that seriously. <laughs> no, no. It's it just like, the thing is, it, it's funny, you know, post iOS, it was like everybody found church and it's like, oh my God, it's creative is what matters. I'm like, it's always been the thing that mattered. You just sure. felt good because Facebook gave you buttons to push. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's the sure. truth of it all. Right. Like, totally. it's like a, a, it's like lawyers and accountants. They love to like make work up because they get paid by the hour. For a long mm-hmm. time, us media buyers felt really awesome because it felt like we were doing something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Go be, go be a guru. Cool. Yeah. For sure. Break down the uh, break down the team structure, Matt. Like what goes into the 3,000? How many people are like actually behind all that um, on the influencer team? Is there one so person? Actually, like, we, use, we have one person who like runs the whole program, but we have a... Uh, a friend of mine who has like an army of people that actually does the reach out for us. So we do all the filtering. We create like the copy, all that stuff. But the physical outreach is mostly just like bodies and seats. Right. I got a buddy who literally does that for us. Like he's straight up outreach. Um, And then we do the rest. We do the like coordination and the shipping and all that other stuff. So, any any software that you guys particularly like? Uh, Whether it's like social listening, how? I don't yeah. know. That's I like. You, don't ever see it. You're not the one sending the DMs to the influencers. No, that's not. That's not. Some, some operators are like they can tell you. <laughs> you know, like we've got friends in our chats that are like they can tell you every piece of software used in the company. I yeah. can't. Um, that's one of them. I just actually don't know what the tool set looks like. I would rather be you than that other operator. Yeah, please. No, man, like some of some of these guys are like, these are the best operators I've ever met. Um, I just like my brain, just I just don't work that way. I can't. Yeah, yeah. 
too much. So yeah, sorry, listeners. I don't actually have like some tool or pro- I don't freaking know. <laughs> I see the value in it, but I don't actually push the buttons myself. Mm-hmm. Um, for nine figure businesses, mm-hmm. what should influencer mar- uh, marketing look like versus an eight figure business in your opinion here? I don't actually think there's, there's a difference. This is, it's a like, dude, I think, I don't, I think the eight figures, multi eight figures, mid eight figures, nine figures, multi nine figures, like you're just talking about scale of shit. That's, there's no, there's no like extra secret sauce when you get mm-hmm. over a hundred million or you get over 200, literally like it's volume of stuff and people like you're, you're, there's, it's just more complexity. And if you're really good, you can somehow hold like the level of complexity stable as you scale. If yeah. you're really freaking good, most people like you can't. And, uh, so I've, for Pila, I've not figured it out, right? For Pila going from eight figures to nine figures, it's, it's really just scaling up the seeding efforts at the end of the day. That's, I, I think so. I think that like at some point you could say not an influencer or a creator, but like there's definitely parts of the business where it gets obvious that like, you're now expanding product categories. Um, you're probably dealing in like different markets. You're playing in different channels, but the tactics themselves, right? So like influencer creator is a part of a strategy. I don't see how that changes outside of just volume. Yeah. 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 Matt, appreciate the time, my man. It was really good stuff today. Um, yeah, if where do people find you? Twitter, Embertuli, Pelicase.com, Lomi.com, <laughs> Operators Podcast. Uh, That's right. Places. Yeah. The, yeah. The best operator on that podcast. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. 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 I'll send you the 100. One of one. After. Yeah. One of one. 200. <laughs> 100 each. Just Thanks tell for the time, man. man. That's all that matters. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. That Appreciate you, Matt. This has been a blast. All right, that's all for today. If you'd like some help developing your influencer marketing campaign, go ahead and DM us on Twitter. Links are in the description. Or you can head to kinship.co to learn more and you can book a call there. That's K-Y-N-S-H-I-P dot C-O. At kinship.co, you also find tools, templates, and resources all designed to help you grow an influencer campaign that drives visibility and sales, not just likes. Thanks for tuning in as always, and we'll see you next week.